HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. The following program is brought to you by Susty Party, an online party supply store for eco-friendly party products and biodegradable compostable tableware. For more information, visit SustyParty.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Many people in our food community have been seriously impacted by Superstorm Sandy, and our hearts go out to them. At HRN, we've been covering these stories since the storm hit. To learn more, visit our website at www.HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Good morning. This is Joe Campanelli. You're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. In the Drink is the show that brings you the very best of the wine, booze, spirits, beer, distilling, all of the delicious industries, um, the stuff that's being served in some of the best restaurants in New York, at your local wine shop. And I'm here to, to bring to you uh, some of the personalities who, are, who, are, who will be talking about these great things to drink. Um, today we're going to have on uh, a, a good friend of mine, um, Allison Patel. Uh, she has, uh, it's kind of surprising to me, Allison, for the first time. She's uh, this young, this young uh, girl who has this extreme uh, love and interest for all things whiskey. And it's not, not the kind of person who I think you, if you initially think of as a whiskey expert. You know, you think about a whiskey expert and maybe you think about an older guy with a red nose who's maybe a little bit larger and has like long-winded kind of stories but uh not this this cute bubbly girl who uh is very smart and passionate about it but also very approachable and you actually want to hang out with her i'm here with with allison uh her company is called local infusions um and she al- we're also staring at a couple bottles of the bren whiskey allison welcome welcome on the show thank you thanks I'm, i may not have uh the big pot belly but i do have some long-winded stories so okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So, how did you get? How did you get into it? How did you get started in in whiskey? Um, it I, I came at it as um, a consumer for sure, and um, it was a Yamazaki eighteen by Centauri that really started me on my on my love for whiskey. Um, I had it at a bar in New York uh, called Vintry Wine and Whiskey, and I'll never forget it because I I tried a lot of whiskey before that, and I just kind of wasn't there. 
And then, um, and then I had a sip of that, and I, I was obsessed. I couldn't turn away. <laughs> so. what, what was it about Yamazaki? So it's a Japanese whiskey. Japanese whiskey, yeah. It's, um, it's by Centauri. If a lot of people saw the movie Lost in Translation, mm-hmm. um, they, were, they were promoting Centauri. It was actually the Hibiki 17, which isn't available in this country. But anyhow, <laughs> people most know Centauri, I think, from that movie. Um, Yamazaki 18, it's, a, it's, it's not an inexpensive dram, unfortunately. Um, but it was, it was, it, it's extremely smooth and complex. And I felt like, you know, a, as someone who I, I had been drinking a lot of wines and my husband and I always um, kind of made a lot of our vacations around wineries and visiting winemakers and things like that. But um, I really struggle with wine to to get into the nose and pick out all of these very distinctive flavors that so many people like yourself can can quickly pick out. They're like, you know, barnyard and grapefruit peel. And I'm going, what? I just smell red wine. <laughs> so whiskey for me was really um, the first time that I was able to find all of those notes that I had been starting to understand with wine. And it was it was much more clear and apparent to me, and I and then I, I just geeked out from there. I love it. <laughs> I, well, I, I love that you know the first thing that we bring up though is this story about how you first you know you first tasted the spirit and you remember it. I think that a lot of great sommeliers, people who have the passion, were inspired by a certain wine experience and can always remember that that wine experience. And I think that. You know, and you're a successful small, hey, you have that passion. And you're successful in the industry. You have that passion. And there are these formative moments. And to hear that, that your formative moment was adventure, which is such, <laughs> it's so cool. It's so close to us. And, uh, and it was, was with a Japanese whiskey, of, of all things. Uh, I, think it, I think it's really, really interesting. and shows that you can, you can pull that inspiration from so many different places. Um, so with your, with your company, uh, Local Infusions, uh, I was asking you about, because it, the, the name, I think, is, uh, can, be, can be confusing, because yes. you only have whiskey. <laughs> And no infusions. Are there infused whiskeys? No, uh, there are infused whiskeys, but that's that's not something that I focus uh, focus on. But my my whole idea. It's funny because I fell in love with a Japanese whiskey, right? Which is what I what the industry kind of calls a world whiskey, and what I consider a non traditional, um, you know, whiskey producing country. Obviously, the traditional ones being Scotland, Ireland, and Canada, and of course America. Um, and I really started to. I think with that first sip of the Yamazaki that I really started to understand that there's a whole world of um, producers out there that aren't from those four main countries. And that got me really excited. And I wanted to explore that. And I, I was an artist um, before in a former life. So, <laughs> so I like to, um, I, I really wanted to focus on the craftsmanship of it. So um, the idea of local infusions, I set it up to import and export whiskeys, and my import side was to import whiskeys from non-traditional countries, and then the export side was American craft whiskeys, and so the infusion, I was thinking of infusing um, local and international cultures with these kind of craft products, but the name, I think, is was a fail. <laughs> <laughs> the name was maybe maybe uh, a fail, but the whiskeys are fantastic. I mean, we, I, I think we met because of uh, our shared love of uh, Balcones. Yes. The great tes- the Texan uh, distiller with uh, the head distiller, Chip Tate. I'd love to have him on this show, by the way. We'll get him here. <laughs> please, let's get, let's get him here. Yes. He'll be, I think he'd be fantastic. Um, probably the, the geekiest distiller that I've, I've ever met doing things like aging his own wood but like bringing it up to like northern united states so that it has you know that it has that winter of aging and just really interesting stuff and making these these texan blue corn whiskeys 
incredible. How, how did you and Chip ever end up meeting? I, I like to say that I stalked him. <laughs> um, before he was even in the New York market, I was I just I, I try and read as much as I can about whiskey and I had started to hear um, Balcone's name being mentioned in certain circles. So I said, you know, I kind of I honed in on him and, and the more I read and, and understood what he was doing, like like what you brought up, I mean, his whiskeys are just so incredibly complex and and what I what I really admire is that he's bringing innovation into this industry, and he's not bringing innovation to try and cheat or or bring a whiskey to market faster. You know, I, I, cheat what I what I consider cheating. You know, he's he's not he's not taking steps to to try and just get more more bang for his buck and you know and stretch, uh, you know, I, I guess make a bigger profit. He's really bringing innovation. I feel to actually see what else we can do in with you know within the confines of making whiskey and he's producing some incredible spirits and um yeah so i so i i really stalked him for a long time i kept saying oh, you have to work with me you have to work with me <laughs> so um so we we set up a partnership where i got to um represent him abroad in other markets and, and we were just launched he just launched in london um in and we're launching in norway and sweden very soon so it's all very good. It's all very exciting. That's exciting. How have you found the, the reception in the market? Are people like, Texan whiskey, what's that about? Are they, are they into it? You, yeah, I thought there was going to be some more pushback. I mean, there is, there is initially, I think, the idea. It's, it's like, um, like whiskeys you know, from, from all these different places I ha- struggle to kind of break that little barrier. But when you have something like Balcones that is so complex and beautiful and, you know, and complete in the glass. You drink it, and from from the nose, from the first you know time you smell it, all the way through to the finish, it's it's one almost like a song. It, it just each each part of the experience flows into the next. There's no kind of disconnected part of the of the experience. That I think once you taste it, then all of those misconceptions go right out the window, and you're like, cool whiskey from Texas. I like it. Let's do it. <laughs> That's awesome. So tell us a little bit about some of your other of your other products. What else you're working yeah, with? Yeah. Um, Bren is, is a whiskey that I produce in Cognac, France. And that was that was really my big, um, the, the one that I was kind of working on quite secretly for a long time. Because I was afraid that if someone had heard what I was doing, that maybe the big boys could sweep in with a, who have obviously a lot more money than I do, <laughs> and, and take it out from under me. But um, but I launched it October one. I, I've been bootstrapping this whole thing, and um, and I've worked really closely with the distiller in Cognac, France, to try and bring um, to bring this this product to market. And I, you know, Chip and I talk a lot, Chip from Balcones, because what. What I think he's doing, um, and I and I am doing, are, are are parallel. They're not competitive, but we're we're trying to bring and showcase these new profiles of whiskey to the market. You know, we I always say you can't lead by following. So why try and hit the market with something that you can that parallels so closely with something else? You can already buy that something else. So you know, it's scary to 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 launch something that is a new profile mm-hmm. to a category. But I think at the same time, very exciting and, and hopefully rewarding to, to the consumers. Now, so just to be clear, so this Bren is whiskey that's made within the Cognac region of France. Yes. And it is a single malt. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 100% malted barley. It's, there's no Cognac in it. Um, but we finish the whiskey in Cognac barrels. Um, and then and we apply a lot of the Cognac production methods to making a single malt whiskey, which which um, kind of produces a much more fruit forward and kind of complex um, sugar tasting whiskey. And is it, where is the uh, the malt grown? 
actually at the distillery. Um, really? Yeah, I, w- which makes me really excited. And, and again, the geeky side of me comes out. Yeah. <laughs> because a lot, of the, a lot of single malts around the world um, are importing their barley from Scotland. Mm. So we're starting with already an entirely different base. We grow two varietals of barley right there next to my producer's vineyard. So he still makes cognac. Um, and, and so the barley's growing next to the grapes, and they're taking advantage of that really beautiful chalk-rich soil. And we're, um, yeah, and then, and then we go from there. Well, it's a, you can find Bren right now at uh, restaurants such as Delanima. Yes, and you uh, uh, And Fora, the wine bar, and also the... Just knew to open up La Picha restaurant in the East Yay! Village. Uh, yeah, so uh, honored def- to be there. Uh, we, we, I really do love this product. I think it's really interesting. Um, but I, I, I see a couple of glasses and they're empty, and I see bottles of Bren and there's liquid in the bottle. <laughs> so I think we should taste it. Can you talk while we're reporting this out? Can you talk to us about this this glass? This is a, a really unique glass that that I'm looking at right yeah. now. Yeah, this is um this is a Glen Karen glass. Um, it's, it's made by a, a Scottish family. And what I like about it is the nose, uh, the top of the glass is, is quite small. If, I mean, this is not television. So if you can imagine, um, a little bit bigger than a silver dollar and perhaps maybe an inch and a half in diameter across. Um, and, and then from the top of that glass, it kind of goes down and then it bellows out a little bit. So, so there's almost like, um, almost kind of looks like a Christmas ornament if you hang it upside down. <laughs> Um, and, um, and what this allows is, is the, the widest part is kind of where your whiskey is. And then you've got this very focused nose, um, as the glass kind of comes up and more together at the top. And it just allows you to really understand, uh, all that's going on in, in the glass. Um, I think if, if you get a, a, a glass, like a typical rocks glass that is very wide, you don't get to smell and and understand all of the um aromas that are going on inside the whiskey i mean you can you can you can get some of it but um but this is this is a it's kind of the ideal glass it's, yeah uh similar in a way to uh if you could picture a, a grappa mm. tulip exactly but a little bit larger and without it without a stem um and the idea with with grappa with a grappa tulip and i, I wonder if it's the case with this I, well I guess not because I see you swirling. So usually I don't I don't swirl the grappa in the tulip because mm. the way because of the way that it's shaped it does kind of capture all those aromatics and mm. you don't and you don't need to. This is a little bit wider, so maybe that's that's all right. I find that if I if I swirl grappa, it's you know it's it's kind of an instinct because I swirl wine right. so often <laughs> that it, it it can be annoying to to friends and, and antisocial behavior that I'm like swirling water <laughs> at the table. I do that too. You swirl water too. Um, but but with grappa, the high alcohol spirit, I find sometimes when you when you swirl something that's very high alcohol, you mm. just start vaporizing the alcohol, and, and you probably know more about this than I do. I, I, I don't know. I think that's interesting. But um, how, do, how do you go about tasting whiskey? Well, um, if you have a glass like this, especially these these Glencairn glasses are given out at a lot of the of the bigger whiskey um, uh, festivals also. And the important thing to remember is when you uh, kind of regardless of what glass you're nosing whiskey in, when if you have a lot of different types of whiskey in it. So if you you know if you drink this, you dump it out and you and you try something else. Um, a lot of people do what they kind of call palming. So you put your palm over the top of the glass and you shake it once and you'll feel the whiskey go on top of your hand and this is not scientific at all it's really just to coat your entire glass on the inside with your whiskey so then you get a much more pure nose of the spirit that you're 
that you're smelling. Um, and you know, I mean, look, the only wrong way to drink whiskey, I say, is to not drink it at all. So <laughs> everyone has their own way. You know, people people like to debate if it's, you know, on the rocks or with water or neat or whatever, or, you know, in, in the cocktail. I, I say if you if you enjoy it with water, if you enjoy it on the rocks, that's that's a great way to have it. Um, personally, and in the industry, I need to I need to try everything um, neat, and I prefer a Glencairn glass so I can understand everything that's going on in the glass. Um, but um, yeah, I you know I look at the color first. It's very mm-hmm. similar to wine. You look at the color, you you nose it, you smell it. Um, I try and nose it from a couple different points of the glass, almost like making a cross, like go at the top, go at the bottom, go at the two sides. Um, because I do find that the aromas do uh, vary. And I also like to start with the glass probably about five or six inches from my nose and then go in as you get closer um, because the alcohol, like you were saying, the alcohol vapors, you are going to get something different. You're going to get um, very, like the lighter, the floral notes you know, farther away from the glass. And then as you go in, you get more alcohol. And then you drink it. <laughs> this is probably the most fruit-forward whiskey I've ever tasted. I agree. It's really aromatic and fruit forward, and it's not as as woody and grainy, if that's a word. As yeah. <laughs> how where does that is that is that from the terroir of cognac? It's just so used to making fruit that I I think I, I like that idea. Um, I, th- I absolutely. Um, our production methods also, as I kind of alluded to, you know, we're we're growing the whiskey, the barley ourselves. We're growing the whiskey. <laughs> we're growing the barley ourselves. Um, we're doing a slightly colder fermentation style, which which yields kind of a deeper extraction of the actual grain notes. Um, and then we're distilling it in an alembic still, where whiskey is typically distilled in either a pot or a column still, most likely pot still. Um, and so an alembic still is a still that they use to distill cognac from. And the shape of it is is such that it allows you to catch more of the fruit-tasting molecules, the ester profiles. Um, so our new make, which is the whiskey that just comes off the still, it's, it's clear, it hasn't gone into the barrel yet, is still even much more fruit-forward than a lot of new make I've tried. Mm. And, then, um, and then we're starting this in new French Limousin Oak, which you'll know from the wine industry is... Is a pretty nice oak. Serve the fancy oak yeah. barrel. Very <laughs> expensive fancy oak barrels. Very All expensive. right, so we're gonna, we'll be back in uh, in just a few. We have uh, another Bren whiskey to taste, um, but first we're gonna take a short break. Thanks. You're listening to All the Time by Controller on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
Emily Dubois. And I'm Jessica Holsey. We are the entrepreneurs behind Susty Party. Susty Party creates responsibly made, eco-friendly party supplies and compostable tableware. Parties and events generate the second largest amount of waste in the USA, just behind the construction industry. Susty Party products make parties more sustainable and sustainability a little more fun. Susty Party plates, bowls, and straws are available in Whole Foods retail stores and also at SustyParty.com. We offer a curated selection of other Susty-approved party supplies. We also have a commercial division, Sustyware, that sells compostable tableware in bulk to businesses and food service industry establishments. Susty Party is a certified youth trade company and B Corporation. Our social, economic, environmental, and even spiritual values drive Susty Party to live our motto, Respect Respect Earth Earth and and Party On! All right, and we are back at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You're listening to In the Drink. Um, I'm here with Allison Patel from Bren, who uh, when we were listening to the commercial, she's like, I know those girls. I know Susty Party. Susty Party's awesome. So, shout out to them. <laughs> shout out to Susty Party. Um, also, I just want to make a, a quick announcement. Um, Heritage Radio Network has been just fantastic about covering all of the, the damage and destruction from Superstorm Sandy. It's affected so many people. Um, just for uh, a personal note, um, this Saturday I'm going to be out in uh, the Rockaways. Um, Rockaway was hit really hard, the, the beach out there. And I feel like it's a place that didn't get a ton of, uh, didn't get a ton of media coverage, uh, maybe a little bit more now recently, but uh, a, f- a few friends of mine have set up a food truck out there um, to serve hot meals to the people who are helping out with the recovery and people who are still trying to, to live out there and, and rebuild their lives. Um, and it's going to be going on for the next two months. Uh, we'll be out there uh, this Saturday and then every Tuesday going forward, a, a crew from Del Anima Restaurant. There's a bunch of restaurants involved. Uh, uh, the, the, the guys from the Breslin have really taken the lead. They're, they've donated a ton of stuff. Um, and the, and the spotted pig and, uh, fat radish, Sam Talbot put the menu together. So, uh, if anyone is interested in, in helping out and donating, hit me up at, uh, uh, at Joe Campanelli on Twitter or Joe Campanelli at gmail.com. I'll send you more information. Um, but it's, uh, it's a, it's a great thing and they need a lot of help out there. Um, also I did want to give you guys a heads up. If you want to call in and ask Allison any, uh, any questions about whiskey in general, about Bren specifically, um, or any of her, any of her spirits, uh, the call in number here is 718-497-2128. Uh, you'll talk to Jack, our producer, and, uh, hopefully we'll have some questions from you. Anyway, so we're looking at another, uh, another bottle of the Bren whiskey. It's, uh, it's much darker I noticed that right away. Um, but what else is what else is going on here? Well, um, what I do with Bren is you'll notice on the front there's no age statement. So a lot of whiskeys will say you know they're they're five years, they're twelve years, they're eighteen or whatever. Um, I do. I don't blend any of the barrels throughout the process. So I, I'm not making big batches and then dumping them into the barrels. I'm taking. I'm doing single barrel releases. So it goes from the new French Limousin oak into um into a used cognac barrel and then that from that barrel we proof it down to 40 percent abv and then put it in the bottle thank you um and so the barrel number is stamped on the back of each bottle and so what you're going to find is that as you um as you see more barrel numbers hit the market there's going to be a difference in color and very slight differences in flavor and in nosing and things like that um and 
you know, I, I think uh, for me, the reason the reason I made that choice was it, it just it add, uh, it kind of showcases the artistry of what we're doing. I mean, my distiller is a third generation cognac producer. He's been his family's been making cognac since the 1920s. And and I just really wanted to showcase what his um, abilities are with the aging process. And I think it's it's kind of cool to see, like even just the difference in color. What? Why? Why is there such a difference in color? You said these are aged for the same amount of time. Yep. Same base spirit yep you're adding additional coloring to it no this is brown brown number 32 (laughs) no no no. um we uh after it sits in the new french oak for a minimum of five years um then it goes into a barrel that had cognac in it previously so what we call used cognac barrels um and this is this is pretty um popular in scotch whiskey they're not using cognac they're using a lot of port or sherry finish uh, they're, they're calling it, you know, their whiskey has sherry finish. Like Macallan, I think, is actually, um, some of their expressions are only aged in whiskeys, in barrels that had sherry in it before. Um, so it, it is a common practice to use a barrel that had another spirit in it before, like ex-bourbon barrels are all used in scotch. Um, but we thought it would be kind of cool, since he has all these cognac barrels sitting around, to, to try and use some of these cognac barrels. And then the color differences and the, and the slight, the slight um, flavor differences are coming from, you know, the, the each cognac barrel, if you've had cognac in there that was maybe, you know, a 20-year-old cognac versus a 2-year-old cognac, that extraction level is going to be quite different. So that's really where, where the differences are coming from, is, is that final barrel. And is this really as strong as, as any other whiskey? Because this feels, this goes down a little too easy. <laughs> should call it scary whiskey. It's, it's, it's very smooth. Thank you. Um, it is, yeah. A lot. Uh, most whiskeys are bottled at forty percent ABV, which is eighty proof. Um, there are definitely some on the market that are higher. I would say, you know, most most are between forty and forty three percent. But um, yeah, this is at forty percent, which is eighty proof. And um, thanks. That was that was one of the goals was to get something that was um, very approachable and very smooth and and something that didn't offend people right up front. Yeah. So. Who's uh, who has a great whiskey program? If you're if you're in New York City, any of the boroughs, mm. northeastern bars area. or stores. Well, let's talk about both. Why not? <laughs> where, do, where do you buy your whiskey at stores? Um, I I like a couple of places. I mean, Park Avenue Liquor, which is not on Park Avenue; <laughs> it's mm-hmm. on Madison. Um, go figure. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're a phenomenal account. They um, they really know what they're doing, and um, and they they have a lot there, and they have a lot there that's not on the shelf. So if you're looking for something specific, mm-hmm. don't be afraid to ask. Um, they're wonderful. Um, Ledoux Wines, which is uh, down in the West Village, yeah, yeah. he's um, they're they're really building a beautiful whiskey program there. Um, I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited for what they're doing. Who else in stores? I mean, there's there's just so many. You can you can find some really great whiskey stores kind of tucked all over. Bottle Rockets has a lot of. Very cool. And then where would you go to drink whiskey? Um, well, Delanima, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's uh, Brandy Library is a staple. You've got Vintry Wine and Whiskey. Mm. But there, Vintry Wine and Whiskey, I think, is more scotch um, and not necessarily kind of all the whiskeys. Um, the Flatiron Room just opened up uh, within a month, and they're amazing. They're on 26th Street and between fifth, uh, no, 6th and Broadway. Um, I'll actually be there tonight pouring Bren for free from... Six to eight. If oh, six to, to eight, free brand. <laughs> the flat iron room. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, there, I mean, there's there's so many great there's so many great whiskey bars popping up. You've got Norman's Kill in in Brooklyn. You've got Char Number Four in Brooklyn. Um, just people who are really getting quite passionate about the spirit and and taking the time to learn about it and, and educating themselves as much as they're trying to educate everyone else. And who's who's doing very exciting things in terms of production? Who's are there are there new distillers out there that you're really excited about? Um, that's a you know whiskey whiskey's funny because it has to age for so long. So it's when you're new, you know, I'm Bren is at least a seven year old whiskey and I'm new. <laughs> it's just, it's funny. It's like, what were you doing seven years ago when this was being made? Um, Balcones is, is, uh, certainly I think one of my number ones, I, I think innovative wise and, and his, what he's producing, what Chip Tate is producing is, is just extraordinary. Um, Brooke Lottie is from Scotland is another favorite of a lot of people. Um, also a great innovator, Compass Box too from from Scotland. They're they're blends. They don't produce. They buy barrels and then and John Glazer has a really um, incredible um, palette and is doing some really interesting blends that I think are worth checking out. Compass Box. We've had the uh, the Peat Monster. Oh, awesome. <laughs> totally <laughs> different than Bren, but I completely love it. Completely <laughs> different, uh, intense, and and not not as much fruit, but uh, yeah. but an awesome whiskey in in, in and of itself. Yeah. Um, oh, cool! Wow, I, you just made me feel a little bit better about myself because we've ha- we have all of those <laughs> at our restaurants. So I, maybe I do know something about whiskey. I, I, I think never, you do. I didn't think that this is my my forte, my area forte. But Brugladi did that really cool Italian series that I, that I was super yeah. into, and they have an organic line, and they have a line of uh, like heirloom grains, and I just think I think Brugladi is. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> pretty cool stuff. Pretty cool stuff. I do too. So we we usually play this little game about uh, with, with wine with wine people. We give them different scenarios and say, "What wine would you drink Ooh. in the following situation?" Um, and and I know and I've seen you I've seen you drink uh, drink whiskey with bolognese and <laughs> with chicken and with crudo. So I want to. I just want to get a few food pairings for you. Interesting. From I you, like it. Um, which whiskey in the world would you pair? We're here at Roberta's. I always like to ask what, like, what would you drink? Is there a whiskey that you would ever drink with pizza? Always, definitely. Always. Okay. Um, I would go with pizza. I would go probably with. Um, I mean, it, you know, of course, it depends on what kind of pizza. Do you, is it is it like a sweeter pro pizza, or do you have some hot soppressata on it, or which way are you going? All right. Uh, well. I like the just the classic little margarita, Perfect. fresh mozzarella, <laughs> good basil, um, sauce. I would probably go with a good Speyside Scotch because um, I, I Speyside typically um, has a little. Uh, they have a lot of sherry finishes on their whiskey. They're not a peated whiskey, so they're going to be a little bit um, smoother and lighter. But they still have enough heft that they can hold up to the cheese and the sauce. So right. something like a Balvenie. Okay. Be, uh, you mentioned one of my favorite places, Char Number Four. They have this incredible pulled pork, delicious sandwich. It's just amazing. Yes. What would you do with a pulled mm. pork sandwich at, at Char Number Four? I think you have to go bourbon. Yeah. I think you have to go a good classic, uh, classic heavyweight bourbon. Something that has a lot of like viscosity and oils to it too. Not not something too light. Um, balcones. I would go with a uh, balcones. Uh-huh. True blue, yeah. 
All right. And then uh, one last one. I've been just absolutely – I love sushi so much. There's a place opened up in my neighborhood neighborhood called Netta, N-E-T-A, and I think it mm. is the best uh, sushi south of Yasuda. Um, it's just incredible. And uh, they have – one of the, the things that you don't find at, at other sushi restaurants is that they have a, just a fantastic beverage program with great wines, great whiskeys, and a bartender there who knows what the hell he's doing, nice. which is really awesome. And one of my favorite drinks there is actually a, a take on a – kind of a take on a Manhattan and uh, I, I'm always conflicted because they have cool they have really incredible cocktails that pair well with the sushi with, with bonito flakes and mushroom but if you're going to have sushi dinner mm-hmm. this seems like complete like just don't drink whiskey with sushi <laughs> am I wrong? no you're totally wrong must drink whiskey okay with sushi. What, do, what whiskey would you have with sushi? well you gotta go Japanese because Japanese have they've, they've they've made they've taken the Scotch idea and they've made it lighter and the reason they did that is because they like to drink it with food, so all those yakitori dishes they go great. Um, I would I would go with a classic basic Yamazaki twelve year Yamazaki twelve year and always finish with bread with dessert. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thank you, Allison Patel. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Really, please do check it out. Balcones Distillery down in Texas. They're, those are incredible. And then Bren, check out Allison tonight at Flatiron, really? um, 6 to 8 o'clock. And uh, we'll talk to you next week on In the Drink. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website, or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.